You're listening to a Southside Baptist podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. Chuck Colson wrote a book called How or Now How Now Shall We Live? In that book, he deals with the critical issue of are dads necessary? In other words, is a dad, is that father necessary? Is the role of that dad necessary? And so that's what we're talking about today. The necessity, the necessity of dads. Because we're living in a day, we are living in a day when in Hollywood, in the media, in much of the world today, there are a lot of liberal voices that are devaluing the role of a dad and a father. Statistics, I believe, prove the opposite. I'm going to give you a few of those in a moment because there is an absence, when there's an absence of a dad, when there's an absence of a dad, a father in that home, it will greatly affect or alter the stability of those children that are growing up in that home. Now I want to say something here to single moms. Those single moms that have had to step forward and fill the role of both dad and mom, I want you to know something. I have deep admiration for you. And I want you to know something. I applaud you today. There are many single moms that have stepped up, women of God, that have thanked God and filled that role as best they could. They have probably involved some godly men in the lives of their children through their church, through pastors, through staff, through deacons, through men that have, they have surrounded around the lives of them. And they have successfully navigated this. But I want you to hear me. It is not God's original design. There is a necessity, there is a need for us to understand the role of a dad in the home. And even though I admire these women, I thank God for them. They have done an awesome job and an awesome task. There is still a need today to understand that that position of father and dad. Let me give you some statistics. Statistics today are proving the value of a dad. Listen to this. Children of fatherless homes are five times more likely to be poor. They're twice as likely to require psychiatric help. Another study said that children that grow up in a fatherless home are four times more likely to need psychiatric help. They are twice as likely to drop out of high school. They are two and a half times more likely to give a, have a child out of wedlock. 60% of rapists come out of fatherless homes. 72% of adolescent murderers come out of fatherless homes. 70% of long-term prisoners come out of fatherless homes. Girls without a dad are 53% more likely to commit suicide. Boys without a dad are 63% more likely to run away from home. They are 37% more likely to be involved in drugs. Today in America, 4 million plus children no longer live with their parents. They live with grandparents. 2.5 million families, the responsibility of the children have been assumed by the parent, I mean by the grandparent, one or both grandparents. There's a term today called skipped generation households. 
It has increased by 50% in the last 10 years. In other words, in the last 10 years, we've had a 50% jump in skip generation homes, which means grandparents are now raising the children. And so when you begin to hear all the statistics, it makes you wonder why, or it makes you maybe, I guess, understand why, God in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 says this, He says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else, God says, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Hear me, Dad. Listen to me. Our enemy works very hard against the role and the responsibility of dads. And today, if the enemy's doing anything, he is undermining masculinity. Now hear me, there is a celebration of femininity in almost a spiritual war against masculinity, against the male role model, and against fatherhood. In fact, if you look at most sitcoms today, most programs today, most commercials today, there are many products that I will not buy because of the degradation of the role of a father. They make the father look like a buffoon, look like an idiot. And it's happening over and over again. And this is a spiritual war. You know, Jesus said this. He said, He, said, he will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know, I thought maybe that is also indicative of the home. That when the enemy attacks the role of a father, that dad, that under-shepherd in that home, that when he effectively attacks that, he listens, he scatters those sheep. And so in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, God says he will turn the hearts, listen to this, of the fathers to their children. And then he warns, if it doesn't happen, he says, I will come and I will strike the earth with a curse in the King James. You know, when I read that, I thought about this. I think what God is saying there is that the role of the father is pivotal to the home. It is so pivotal, I believe. It's so pivotal to the family and to the kingdom of God that, listen to this, God says, I will do whatever it takes to get men's attention in order to turn them back to their children. He says, I will smite the earth. You know, think about that for a moment. In this decade, in a single decade in America today, in one decade, in a matter of ten years, we've had the worst terrorist act that's been committed against this country. We've had the worst natural disaster, Katrina, in this country. We are now experiencing the worst ecological disaster in this country. Last week alone, the tallest statue of Jesus was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. Bob Smith, when we were talking about that, said this. He said, isn't that strange? He said, what do you think of that, Jeff? You know what I told him? I said, well, Bob, I said, let's say that you die and I go over and one of the casinos over here in Vicksburg put a big glossy picture of you and hang it up in the lobby of that casino. How would you feel about it? My friend, I'm going to tell you something. I would rebuild it. God sent a message to America. 
You won't put my image in an ungodly, immoral, unethical nation that is polluting the world. God said, I may burn down another one. My friend, I don't want my picture hanging up in a bar or a casino or anywhere else. And right now, I don't know that I'd want my picture hanging up in a building, a government building in America. God is saying something. In, the, in that 24-hour period, the tallest statue of Jesus was struck by lightning, burned to the ground. At the same time, the ship that is ciphering the oil from the, from the leak in the gulf, listen to this, was struck by lightning and shut down for hours. And I thought to myself, God, you're saying something to America today. Through earthquakes, through storms, through floods, through the tilt of the earth, and now the sea is turning red. Go read Revelation 8. Or go back and read Judgment on Egypt when God turned their sea red. You see what God is saying here in Malachi 4.6. He said, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else God says, I will come and I will strike the land in the, with a curse. And here God is saying, men and fathers are critical. But you know, I thought to myself this week, how do you turn the heart of a dad back to his family? And I think, first of all, that a dad needs to see the value of children. You see, if you're going to turn the heart of a dad back to his children, then he needs to see the value of his children. His children are the most important commodity that he has. It's not his education. It is not his work. It is not his clout in the community. His ability, his strength, Everything that he stands for is the raising of his children. And when he, has, when he understands the value of his children, then he'll begin to understand his role in raising them and bringing them up. I thought about, you know, the work, I call it the work of the warrior dad. Do you know that over 17 million children in America today are living in homes without a father? I want you to look at something, dad. Take a left and go over to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. It'll be up on PowerPoint here, but I want, you to, I want you to see this because I want you to understand that when a dad, the value of children and his role in raising them, first of all, there is the work of the warrior dad. In Psalm 127, this is a good psalm to memorize. The writer here says, it's unless the Lord builds the house, its builders are laboring in what? In vain. Now, everyone look this way. That word vain just means foolish. It means a waste of time. So, Dad, what the Bible is saying here, that if you and I are not in the Lord's work, if the Lord is not building, that's how Jesus, you remember how he closed the Sermon on the Mount? He closed the Sermon on the Mount by telling about those two foundations, one built on rock, the other built on sand. And the storms begin to come, and they pound and the wind and the storm begin to beat against that house. And that house that was built on sand, what happened to it? It just simply obliterated. It washed away. So the writer here in Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over this city, the JPD stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, 
toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. When I read that, I said, he sure loves Sheila a lot. In verse 3, he says, sons are a heritage from the Lord. Wow, listen to that, Dad. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are what? They are a reward from Him, from God. They are like arrows in the hands of a warrior and sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. All of that speaks of Dad as if he's a warrior. It implies this idea that we are in a war, we have an enemy, and there is territory out there, and we're fighting for it. Sir, those arrows are your children. And the Bible gives the picture here of a dad, he's like a warrior. He's sharpening and shaping those arrows. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That word train gives the idea of repetition, drills, consistency. Dad is building into his children character and integrity, strength and fortitude. I wrote down here, the warrior dad is sending a message to a time he will never see. He is firing at his enemy. Listen to that. Listen to this, Dad. He is firing at his enemy, Josh, even after Dad is dead and gone. He's continuing to fire at his enemy. Tiana is an arrow in Steve's quiver. Steve is going to take that arrow out. One day he's going to fire that arrow. And that arrow is going to cause great problems to the enemy in the kingdom of darkness because even when Tiana buries this man one day, he'll continue to wreak havoc in the kingdom of darkness. He'll cause his enemy problems. And that's the dad. He is a warrior dad. Men, we are not born into a sitcom. We are not born into a soap opera. We are born into a spiritual war. And our children are like those arrows. And the implication here is, listen to this, some of you young couples, godly couples need to have children. You need to have children. Man, that is critical. Godly couples need to have children. I've yet to hear an amen. 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 I remember when we announced that we were getting ready to have our third child, Ledge. And I can remember, and I want to say something, right? I want to interrupt. Anybody texting right now, I hope you come down with a stomach virus and you get sick. If you are in this church right now and you are texting and playing on your phone, get up and leave. Now, if you're using it to look up the scripture, that's another thing. Oh, he's he's so hard. No wonder there's so many empty pews. Well, by the time Jesus got through with the temple, there wasn't nobody in it. You're welcome. I remember when we announced the third pregnancy, we heard all the jokes. Y'all know what causes that? No, could you educate us a little bit? Must be something in the water. Now I want you to know something. These were, not, these were not lost people. These were church people. And I want you to know something. Even though, even though we're laughing about it, it hurt Sheila deeply. 
It hurt her so deeply that when we were pregnant with Jeffrey, she said, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. But let me ask you a question today. Doctor, I remember an old doctor in Lexington made this statement. Lexington, Mississippi said this. Sheila went in there and we were going in there talking to him and we were telling him how we got our feelings hurt. He said, oh, he said, don't let that bother you. He had five children. He said, I tell you, if godly people don't start having children, this country's going to be in a mess. Some of you couples need to get your act together and start having children. Dad, can I ask you a question? Who doesn't want you to have children? Did you hear me? Who doesn't want you to have children? John Eldridge said this. Listen to what John Eldridge said. He said, most of us do everything we can to reduce the element of risk in our lives. We wear seat belts, we watch our cholesterol, and we practice birth control. I know some couples who have decided against having children altogether. They simply aren't willing to chance the headache and the heartache the children will bring. What if they are born with a crippling disease, they say? What if they turn their backs on us and even God? What if God seems to fly in the face of all caution, even though He knew what would happen, what heartache and suffering and devastation we would bring? God had children. Sir, ma'am, has it ever occurred to you that He let you be born even though you would bring Him great heartache? You see, this is a ploy of the enemy. Our enemy does not want men and women of God to have children. Now let me repeat that. If I'm in a spiritual war, and I've got that quiver on the warrior dad, and those arrows are my children, then my enemy wants me to have as few arrows as I can put in there. Because he knows that a warrior dad's going to be firing him against the kingdom of darkness. And I'm going to wreak havoc. Somebody's getting a call. So this is a ploy of the enemy. Our enemy does not want men and women of God to have children. Now listen to me. For those that are young parents, colic is designed to ensure that godly men and women only have one or have no more. Amen? Some of us had colicky babies later in the groups, you know. Jeffrey was more colicky. You know, and you wonder, well, if he had had a colic baby at the beginning, would you have had more? You see, we have, see, everything, and I want you to understand, this is the way your pastor thinks. Everything is involved with spiritual battles. This is a war that we're in. So my enemy does not want men and women of God to have children. Colic is designed to ensure that godly men and women have no more. And number three, your enemy doesn't play fair. He attacks that child right out of the womb. Satan, listen dad, Satan is not sitting back waiting on the age of accountability. He's not sitting back saying, well let me wait till they get a little bit older when it's more fair, 
and it's more balanced, and then I'll attack that child. My friend, I want you to know something to the four parents gathered around here at the front of this altar who were dedicating their children. There is an all-out war out of hell to ensure that those children never come to Christ, never involved in the kingdom of light, but are in the kingdom of darkness. And that's what our enemy wants to do. And so the writer of Proverbs said, train up a child in the way he should go. Listen to this. Do you know what the average time a dad in America spends with his children? This stat is very true. The average dad in America spends 37 seconds in, qual- in conversation with their child a day. Do you hear that? 37 seconds. Daily, on average, he has 2.7 encounters lasting 10 to 15 seconds. 37 seconds. Now listen to this, Dad. Compared to four to seven hours watching TV. You tell me what the problem is in America. I can tell you, Dad, what the problem is, and Mom, what the problem in America is. That Hollywood and Southern California and the media, the liberal media, is raising your children and teaching teaching your children and my children their value systems. You see, there's the work of the warrior dad. There's, always the, there's also the watch care of the warrior dad. Look what he goes on to say in Psalm 128. I love the latter part of verse 5 of 127. It says, They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. But verse, Psalm 128, watch this. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. In Psalm 128, he talks about an olive tree. He says your children will be like olive shoots. Do you know how long it takes for an olive, a little tender olive uh, tree to mature to where it produces fruit, 17 years. They would have to till the soil and they would have to care for that olive shoot for 17 years before it would produce. He says your wife is like a vine. And men, that means, and I've used this before, a man is like a wall. He's secure. He's strong. He's the front line of defense in that home. And the Bible says that his wife is like a vine that's climbing up that wall and there's security and strength. She's not there waving in the wind. She's secure against that husband, leaning against him. Because men, you are secure in Christ. You're anchored in Christ. So the wife is that vine. She clings to him for strength and security and safety. And those children are like tender olive shoots that he is protecting. I was reading in one book, our, our planet Jupiter. In the Latin, Jupiter means sky father. The planet Jupiter is the front line of defense that protects our Earth from 99.9% of the asteroids, the meteorites, and all the junk that would hit Earth. Do you know how long we would last if it wasn't for Jupiter? But you let the educational system of America tell your child that's just a rock that happened to haphazardly be slung out there and placed in the right orbit to protect this country. No, it wasn't. It was a creator God. 
And man, you're like a sky father. You see, Jupiter hangs out there like a shield. It protects the earth. Alan Bass, an astrophysicist at Carnegie Institution of Washington, said this about Jupiter. He said, Jupiter acts like a giant vacuum, taking dangerous junk, asteroids, meteorites, and throwing them back into space. It is 318 times larger in mass than the earth. And because of that, it draws all of the junk that would come at us. Recently, he said, an asteroid that would have put us back in the Ice Age hit Jupiter and shattered into pieces. That's the picture of a dad. He protects his family. He protects his family, listen, from ungodly influences. He is responsible to ensure that these children are growing, they're being trained up in the what? In the way of the Lord. And he protects them, especially when they're young and vulnerable, vulnerable and, they're, and they're open to attack. He is a, he's watching over them. He's protecting them. He protects what goes in their ears. He protects what goes into their eyes. He is constantly looking. He's not afraid to cut the TV off. He's not afraid to get up in a theater and say, we can't sit here anymore and watch this. We've got to get up and leave. He's a man of conviction, a man of principle but he protects. And that's the picture here, the olive shoot. For 17 years, it's protected and tilled and watched over. I remember in the ninth grade playing football. And I remember the head coach being angry at me about something. And it was unjustifiable. And he was unjustified in his anger. He was wrong. He had mishandled me. He was mistreating me. I remember going in at the end of that game and taking my helmet and slinging it into that dressing room, into that compartment there. I sat down there and I just sat down and plopped down. And all of a sudden, I mean, I just felt like crying. This coach had embarrassed me on the field. It was horrible. And I was sitting there and I felt so down and dejected when all of a sudden I heard a commotion up in the other end of the dressing room up toward the coach's office. I finally said, man, what is going on? And a guy kept running back there and said, your dad's getting ready to beat the snot out of the coach. (laughs) Your dad's telling the coach, listen, you can discipline my son, but don't you ever talk to him like that, that way again. You see, a dad protects. A couple of weeks ago, I buried a man, 71 years old, a deacon, a godly man in Meridian. He has, he has a son and a daughter. His daughter, who's been married and has children now, who now has two daughters that are grown, his daughter is married to a man that's running around on her. And has left her one time, now left her again. He's 71 years old, he's in ICU and he's dying. And last week, uh, I think it was the week before, I buried him. But his daughter said this. I said, what was the last thing you remember your dad said? Listen to this, men. 71-year-old man, a man's man, laying there, breathing his last breath. He told his daughter, he said, if I could get up, he said, I'd kill him. And I thought to myself, 
How sad, but how true, because that's the heart of a dad. You see, men, it's built within you. From the day that child is put into your arms to the day that child will bury you, and some of you young people are disrespectful to your dad, and you're not always going to have him. One day you're going to bury him, and one day it's going to be too late to tell him anything. And he loves you, and he would die for you in a moment. And you disrespect him, and you don't honor him. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to thank God you have a Christian dad that loves you. But that dad protects and he watches over. He takes care of that family. Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal, said his dad died when he was 15 years old. He was shooting a film in New York City. His daughter in L.A. was having her little birthday. I think she was uh, elementary age. She was having a birthday. He called his daughter, Billy Crystal did, he called his daughter and he said, Honey... He said, I'm not going to be able to be there. I can't be there, but I want you to know this. I want you to know this. I love you, and if I could be there, I'd tell you happy birthday. And, and, and he did all of that. And then he said, but I am going to send you a package. Later that evening, he got on a plane, flew from New York to L.A. Late that evening, he was standing in front of the door, and there was a six-foot box package of a wrapped box like a gift his daughter came to the door when she came to the door and began to try to open it and tear it open Billy Crystal jumped out and he made this statement he said the most important thing in the world to me is not this movie but the raising of my children James Dobson at age 16 said one phone call changed his life James Dobson said at 16 he was becoming defiant He was an only child. He was beginning to give his mom problems. One day his mom called him. His dad was a very prominent, James Dobson's dad was a very prominent evangelist. His career, his ministry was growing. He was booked here, booked there. He was constantly traveling. But at 16, James Dobson's mother called and called her husband and said, I need help. He's becoming difficult to handle and I can't deal with it by myself. I, and listen to this. She said, I need you to come home. And James Dobson's dad, he said, dropped his schedule, quit everything, and came home to raise James Dobson. Thank God he did. Tom Block walked away as the CEO of H&R Block to become a $15,000 a year teacher because he said he wanted to be a dad to his two sons. You see, men, the enemy will convince you that job and things and cars and houses and these things that bring pleasure, he'll convince you that that's the most important thing, but that's not. Robert Schuler said he gave up golf to be a dad. He said he wanted to play golf and spend a lot of time playing golf, but he said golf was, he said that wasn't as important as raising my son. I know I need to close, but let me say this. I know one day I'll bury my dad. My dad listens to these broadcasts every week on the, on the internet. I know one day I'll bury my dad. But I want you to understand this, that everything that I am as a man, I owe to my dad. I do my mom too, but my dad was a man's man. My dad would... Play ball with me. My dad would...
coach when I played ball. My dad would build side by side with me. Whatever little project I had, whatever. My dad helped me build my home. I can remember as a boy overhauling the truck, tractor, working on things, painting things, doing things. My dad, I was an integral part of his life. My dad's always protected me. I can remember when I went through the difficulty down in Natchez. My dad was there protecting me. Now, my dad wasn't perfect. He told me of some mistakes that he made in his life that were deep and lifelong consequences. But I want you to know something. I love my dad. I remember when I was a graduated from high school before I started college, I got a summer job with a company called Piper Industries. I was just starting that job. I walked into the office of the plant manager. In there was the plant manager, another man, and the owner of the company, Mr. Piper. When I walked in there, the plant manager looked to the owner and said, that's Ledger Parker's son. Another man looked and said, that man's the smartest man I know. Another man looked at him and said this. He said, he can take a blueprint and read them like there. And then finally one man said, son, your dad's a good man. That was worth everything to me. At an open house in a plant that my dad was a plant engineer of, I remember somebody pointing out something to his family and then he said, you see that man over there? He said, that man designed all of this. And I thought to myself, that's my dad. You know, that's all I've ever wanted to be. All I've ever wanted was my children to be able to look at me and say, that's my dad. And not be ashamed. And I'm protective. And you never grow out of that, no, no matter how old they get. I got my oldest is 30 and I'm still protective. The other day we were sitting, and I know I need to close. The other day we were sitting in Borders. Ledge and Alicia were there with my little grandson, Ethan. Sheila was sitting there, and Jessica Watts happened to be there, and she came over and sat with them. We were all sitting there. And there was a group of students studying, and they were studying at one of the tall tables right next to our table. And there were three young ladies and one young man, and that young man, had a, he had a T-shirt that was horribly offensive. I mean... Men, it, 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 it alluded to male anatomy. It was absolutely horrible. And there came a point that Jessica looked at Sheila and said, what's wrong with Brother Jeff? And man, I was getting angry. Boy, I was getting mad. Finally, I, I literally, and I knew it was a spiritual thing because I had not alluded in any way to that, young, that, to that man. He was a grown man. I had not alluded to that probably early 20 young man that I, anything, but I noticed he began to nervously turn around. And I want you to know something. He wasn't a little guy either. And I finally looked at Sheila and said, we got to go. Ledge and Alicia and Ethan had already left. And they got up to walk out of there. And I walked by that young man and I popped him on the side. I said, could I talk to you for a moment over here? He, um, he said, yeah. Just like that, yeah. So I went over and stood by the magazines. Waited on him. 
looking over that magazine rack, waiting on it. You going to come over here? Finally, Sheila said, please, let's go. I walked out the door. He kept looking at me, and I stopped at the door, and I looked at him again. And, I, and this part I'm a little bit ashamed of, slightly. I got outside, and I was standing outside that glass, and I looked back at that guy, and I did like this. You going to come out here or not? Now, I wasn't going to fight him, but I was going to let him know real quick, I don't appreciate that T-shirt. Now, there'd have been a time in my life I probably would have stuffed it down your throat, but I'm a Christian now. But I want you to know something. I still don't like it. You may say, well, Brother Jeff, he's probably not a Christian. No, if I'd have asked him, he'd have probably said he was. Because everybody in the South is a Christian. I thought to myself, and I was so angry going home, I thought, God, what happened to decency? What happened to moral and ethical decency? i tell you what happened to it, men. What happened to it was when men quit standing up. That man would have never, he would have never gotten away with that 50 years ago. He would have never gotten away with it. If you'd have took men 50 years ago, took 50 men 50 years ago, take 50 men out of the Deep South 50 years ago and put them at the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game and sprinkle them over the whole stadium. You know how many fights you'd have in the game? 50. Because they wouldn't stand for the drunken debauchery in most college football games. That's Evil prospers because good men do nothing. And you may say, well, Brother Jeff, you're getting worked up. That's right. Because I thought of my little two-and-a-half-week-old grandson and what he's growing up in made me want to throw up and made me want to take a stand as a man. You know, there's a story of a man. You can go ahead and stand. Jeffrey, would you come? There's a story of a man who was leaving his country overseas. He was coming back here. And he had taken all of his wealth, all of his possessions, and he had put them into one diamond. Years ago, when it was difficult to liquidate and move money, people would do this. And so this man, this man had taken all of his land, all of his possessions, and all of his wealth, and he would, had liquidated it, and he had bought him a diamond. And it was an unbelievably exquisite diamond. He was on the ship, and he was making his way, and he was coming, coming to America. As he was coming to America, he came out one day on that ship, on a beautiful day, in the evening. And he pulled that diamond out of his pocket, and he held it up, and the sun glistened off that diamond, and pretty soon people began to gather around, they looked at him and, and they were thinking, and you, just oohs and ahs, just, they were just so enamored by that diamond and he held it up and then he, he did something, he threw it up in the air, he caught it. Those people really began to ooh and ah, they thought, my goodness, the, that diamond's exquisite, look at him throwing it up in the air and he threw it up in the air again. Crowd began to gather up on the, on the deck of that ship and he threw it up a third time and when he did, it caught the tip of his finger. 
And in a moment, that diamond tipped off the, it, it, it jumped off the tip of his finger and he reached with the other hand like a ball player and he, he began to reach out and he fumbled it and he fumbled it and he fumbled it and over the side of that ship, in a matter of a second, dropped that diamond down into the murky sea, lost forever. And you may say, Brother Jeff, what's the moral of that story? Some men in this room God has given you a diamond. He's given you the most valuable thing that He could ever give you. And you're flipping and flopping and playing with it and tossing it up in the air. Fumbling around with it. And one day, men, one day, you may lose that precious life that you held in your hands forever. You see, men, children are a heritage. They are a reward. They are a gift from God to you. And God's entrusted them into your care. And your thought ought to be out of that scene out of roots where that man held that baby up, that old African, and lifted that baby up and dedicated that baby to God. That's what you're doing. And you're saying, God, I'm going to do everything I can to train and raise this child in the way he or she should go. And when they're old, God, they'll not depart from it. And I'll send a message to a generation that I'll never see. Because see, it's not Tiana. It's not just about Steve and Tiana. It's what Tiana will send through her child and her grandchildren and on and on it'll go. Men, that's what you're doing. So you be the man that God's called you to be. Sir, I want to remind you of something else. There's something even more precious on that diamond represents than your child. It's your soul. It's your soul. And God loves you so much that He went to Calvary and He paid the supreme sacrifice. He died for your sin. He paid your penalty. He made, he made, the, he made the assurance to you that if you would reach out in childlike faith and trust Him as your Savior, that He would set you free from the penalty of sin and from death and from hell. And He would provide a way for you to go to heaven. Dad, that's the most important thing, is to know whether you're saved, whether you're Christian. Some of you young men, God's calling you right now to be men of God so that one day when God does give you a child, you'll already be on the right path. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You and we praise You. And Lord, we give You all the glory and honor. And even, dear Lord, as our counselors begin to come and make their way and to stand down here, and Lord, even as men may come, just even now, dear Lord, and begin to lift up their children in prayer at this altar. There may be some men here, Lord, that are not Christians. They've never given their heart and their life to You. Lord, may they do that today, this moment, right now. May they stand up boldly and say, I'm giving my heart and my life to Christ. He is my Lord and I'm going to serve Him till the day my children one day bury me. And one day when my kids bury me, may they say, that's the greatest man I've ever known. That's my dad. And I love him and I'm proud of him. Father, I pray if there's a dad here that doesn't know what it means to be a Christian, that he will come. That he will invite you into his heart to forgive him of his sin, to be his Lord and his Savior. 
Father, I pray that men will come today and recommit and rededicate. That men will gather around this altar and spend time in prayer so their children can see Dad on his knees. May the scene, may that picture be born and be literally be burned into the mind of their wife and of their children and of their family. God, speak to us and we pray this. We pray for this nation. Draw the hearts of the fathers to their children. Lord, please don't smite the land, but send revival. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come. You come. Dad, you come. Mom, if you need to come, you come.